0: Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews With your host, Aaron Martell Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots But if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about Billy Joel's 1977 album, The Stranger. Like I've said over and over on this podcast, my parents shaped my early appreciation of music. They were both popular music fans, and they bought records to listen to, and they played them around the house all the time. As I record this, it's Mother's Day weekend 2020, and I remember my mother playing this album quite a bit around the house. This was one of her go-to albums in the late 70s. And once I got to know those songs, I started to hear them on the radio, too, because this record blew up Billy Joel, and he was getting serious airplay. It's got a lot of hits. I liken Billy Joel to Elton John because they were both piano guys, and Elton was already one of my favorites from when I was super young. I mean, we're talking, like, preschool. And then Mom bought 52nd Street when that came out, and that album just cemented it for me. I was a Billy Joel fan for life. But it all started with Mom and The Stranger. So here are some basic facts about this record, as only Wikipedia can provide them. The Stranger is the fifth studio album by American singer-songwriter Billy Joel, released on September 29, 1977 on Columbia Records. It was produced by Phil Ramone and was recorded from July to August 1977 at A&R Recording Incorporated, New York City, New York. It reached number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and is certified diamond by the RIAA. And here is the musician's lineup card. We have Billy Joel on vocals, acoustic piano, keyboards, synthesizers, and Fender Rhodes. Richie Cannata on organ, tenor saxophone, soprano saxophone, clarinet, flute, and tuba. Dominic Cortez on accordion. Richard T. on organ, Hiram Bullock on electric guitar, Steve Kahn on 6- and 12-string electric guitars, acoustic rhythm guitar, and high string guitar, Hugh McCracken on acoustic guitar, Steve Berg on acoustic and electric guitar, Doug Stegmaier on bass guitar, Liberty DeVito on drums, Ralph McDonald on percussion, Phil Woods on alto saxophone, Patrick Williams on orchestration, and Patty Austin, Lonnie Groves, Gwen Guthrie, and Phoebe Snow on backing vocals. Additionally, all songs were written by Billy Joel. Okay, let's move on to a track-by-track analysis of this album. We open the proceedings with "Moving Out," Anthony's song.
1: Mama Move out to the country. Mama, working too hard to give you a heart attack. You wanna know by now. Who needs a house out in hack and sack? Is that all you get for your money? And it seems such a waste of time. If that's what it's all about, Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm.
0: First of all, I love the production. The instruments are crisply separated, and the overall sound is bright and perfect for a pop rock tune. Billy's piano is percussive and drives his tune with Doug Stegmeier's descending bass line aped by one of the guitars as the other guitar follows along with Billy. Liberty DeVito's drums are steady and hold down the rhythm. I dig Billy's ascending piano line that transitions to the chorus, and Richie Canada's saxophone parts are singable and memorable. The chorus itself slows the tempo and adds a bit of drama to the song, with the cymbal hits punctuating Billy's phrases. Now, I've always loved Billy Joel's voice, but unlike, say, a Mick Jagger or an Elton John, who are both great vocalists as well, Billy's tone is clear and you can understand the words he's singing. And like Elton, Billy has a way with melody. He knows precisely where to place an accent or a hook that'll snag your ears and never let them go until the song is over. The lyrics tell the stories of immigrants on Long Island and how they break their backs working blue-collar jobs for a living, like Anthony himself is a grocery store clerk, and yet they dream of moving up in financial and social class. Billy takes a perspective that to reject your working-class roots means you reject a part of yourself and it's not worth it in the long run. I dig the vocal affectations he uses, heart attack, 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 and the wordless woo-hoo, uh-huh, Mm -hmm. right between the chorus and the verses. The car sounds that usher in the outro were made by Doug Stegmeier's 1960 Corvette. This song shares the same title as Twyla Tharp's Broadway dance musical, Moving Out, that features the songs of Billy Joel and had a run of over 1,300 performances. I have always adored this track, and it was the album's first single that reached number 17 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. The next track is the title track, The Stranger. There are
1: some we never tell. Why were you so surprised that you never saw The Stranger? Did you ever let your lover see The Stranger?
0: It begins with that somber piano and bass and whistled melody that gives the intro an old timey film noirish type of atmosphere. Billy whistled it to Phil Ramon and Billy originally wanted it to be played by a wind instrument, but Ramon convinced him to whistle it on the record. Then it shifts into a moody rocker that emphasizes a prominent guitar lick and burbling bass underneath, with some cool jingling percussion. Billy tries to put a mysterious tone into the vocals, and on the chorus his voice is doubled an octave lower, and that helps sell the spookiness of the lyrics. Speaking of lyrics, Billy sings about how people have their public selves or a certain way they present themselves to others, even loved ones, or in relationships. But deep down they have their secret selves, these darker desires and personas that they keep hidden, and if they are allowed to emerge, their friends and family wouldn't recognize them. I don't even know who you are. Billy says these different selves aren't necessarily evil and that they could even be that person's true self that they hide away from the world. The track is bookended by a reprise of the whistling intro, and I'm on board with this one too. This was a single overseas and chartered in France, Australia, New Zealand, and reached number two in Japan. The following track is Just The Way You Are.
1: I don't want clever conversation never want to work that hard mm-hmm. I just want someone that I can talk to I want you just the way you are
0: So this begins with that Fender Rhodes piano, and I love that sound. It's the main sonic component along with the bass and drums. There's also acoustic guitar strumming provided by Hugh McCracken, rest in peace, and Steve Berg, and then of course the alto sax from Phil Woods, adding a jazzy flair to the tune. Phil Woods, rest in peace, was a renowned jazz musician who took some shit from snooty jazz purists who criticized his appearing on a rock record, but he'd already done work for Steely Dan and Paul Simon, so fuck that. The backing vocals and keyboards are very similar to the 10cc song I'm Not In Love. Trust me, once you hear it, it'll never leave your brain. In truth, this comes across a little syrupy in adult contemporary, and sometimes adult contemporary can be boring as cardboard, but to get it across, you need a good melody. And this track has it, which Billy claimed came to him in a dream, and the chorus was inspired by the Frankie Valli and the 4 Seasons song Ragdoll. The lyrics were inspired by Billy's first wife and then-manager, Elizabeth Weber, and they basically spell out a declaration of love, and that he loves her for who she is and she doesn't need to change anything about herself to make him happy. At first, Billy wanted to leave this off the album as he felt it was too gloppy and cheesy, but Phil Ramone let Linda Ronstadt and Phoebe Snow hear it, and they liked it, so they decided to keep it on the record. After Billy and his first wife split up in 1982, he rarely performed this live after 1986 until the 2000s, and Billy has said he doesn't like performing it. Nevertheless, it was Billy's first top 10 hit, reaching number three on the Billboard Hot 100. It won two Grammys in 1978 for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. It's been covered by a fuck ton of other artists, and I, for one, like it. The next track is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant.
1: Get a table near the street in our old familiar place. You and I face to face. Mm -hmm. A bottle of red, a bottle of whites. It all depends upon your appetite you time you want in our italian restaurant.
0: this is probably my all-time favorite billy joel song it's a medley of three musical pieces that was somewhat inspired by the beatles abbey road it starts with a piano ballad and the memorable opening line a bottle of white a bottle of red perhaps a bottle of rose instead there's a accordion in the background as Billy describes meeting an old friend at their favorite Italian restaurant, which he said was inspired by the Fontana di Trevi, located across from Carnegie Hall, and they begin to catch up with each other. The music builds slowly. Acoustic guitar, bass, and drums come in, and the music sort of meanders along while a cool tenor saxophone solo by Richie Cannata and a string section transitions the track into the next section where the tempo increases, and Billy's piano plays staccato as he sings about how his life has been. Things are okay, got a good job, the family's fine. It moves into a Dixieland jazz-inspired section, complete with tuba, clarinet, and trombone, as Billy begins to reminisce with a friend about the old days, hanging out at the Village Green, engineer boots, leather jackets, and tight blue jeans, you know, high school days. Then the piano goes faster, and Billy plays a short solo that transitions the track to the section he called The Ballad of Brenda and Eddie. The king and queen of the prom, who got married after high school, tried to start a life together but struggled to make ends meet, started a fight when the money got tight, and ended up divorcing, hoping to reclaim some of their lost youth, but as Billy sings, you can never go back there again. Billy concludes that he doesn't know exactly what happened to Brenda and Eddie, but he figures they both found a way to get by. The lyrics tell the story backed by tight rock and roll featuring Billy's piano right up front in the mix with more excellent saxophone. Then a crashing transitional fill with swelling strings dramatically take us right back to the beginning with a piano and accordion, Billy saying goodbye to his friend and that they can meet at the restaurant anytime you want. We get one more grandiose section with the sax and strings swelling, and the track finally ramps down and closes. This track is a sweeping epic that feels very cinematic, and I'm always sad when it finally ends I get so caught up in it. It's Billy's longest rock song at 7 minutes 36 seconds, and though it never was a single, it's a massive fan favorite and is played at nearly every Billy Joel concert. I cannot describe how much I love this track and the nostalgic emotions it stirs up in me. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Vienna. But it's
1: the life you lead You're so ahead of yourself That you forgot what you need Though you could see when you're wrong You know you can't always see When you're right You're right You got your passion You got your pride But don't you know that only fools are satisfied Dream on but don't imagine they'll all come true Ooh, when will you realize Vienna waits for
0: you Musically, this is on the slower side. It kind of glides along as Billy tried to give it a sort of European sound and style. The piano intro has a classical vibe to it, and the track has strings that swell at the end of each measure, and I'm not sure if the strings are real or a synthesizer. And there's an accordion solo that adds to the European theme. Again, Billy delivers with a melody. It's catchy, even though it's pretty laid back. The lyrics were inspired when Billy traveled to Vienna, Austria, to visit his father, who was living there. And he saw an old woman sweeping on the city streets. And he pitied her for doing this menial labor. But Billy's father told him that the task was giving her a sense of worth by doing a service that helped everyone. Billy sings about a young person who's ambitious and has big dreams, but is a workaholic, rushing around trying to make those dreams happen. Billy says, Slow down, you'll burn yourself out. Take some time to enjoy what life has to offer. What you want will still be there for you. This is one of Billy's best loved deep cuts and gets a lot of play at his shows. It's a great track. The following track is Only the Good Die Young.
1: i well will be the one where well, they showed you a statue Told you to pray They built you a temple and locked you away Ah, oh, but they never
0: This originally was written by Billy in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he was opening for the Beach Boys. It was slower in a reggae style, and he sang it with a fake Jamaican accent. Liberty DeVito made fun of him for singing like that, and Phil Ramone suggested to speed it up and put a shuffle beat on it, and then it kind of came together. The tune bounces along with a claps and walking bass. Hugh McCracken is back on guitar, and there's an organ that runs through the verses. The horns add color, and we get another sax solo that's short but effective. But as usual, it's the melody and lyrics that really sell this sucker. Billy's hot for a good catholic girl, and he tries to convince her to let him bone her. I mean, after all, they say there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. The Virginia in the song is Virginia Callahan, a girl Billy had a crush on in high school. It's a perfect name, Virginia. He saw her looking at him while he played in his high school band The Echoes, and that hooked him on becoming a professional musician. This song actually generated controversy for being anti Catholic, but Billy said, no, it's pro lust. Who doesn't like this song? It's catchier than the clap, and was the album's third single that reached number 24 on the Billboard Hot 100. The next track is She's Always a Woman. it's a gentle-sounding ballad with a simple song structure, musically based on Billy's piano arpeggios, acoustic guitar, and slowly walking bass, with a flute melody played on the second section that functions more as a bridge than a chorus and keeps the vibe on the lighter side. Billy envisioned this as a Gordon Lightfoot-style song that Lightfoot would be able to sing. The lyrics were again inspired by Billy's first wife, Elizabeth Webber. Who, as his manager, got his financial affairs in order and was known to be tough and determined in negotiations. Billy says that though she may seem on the outside to be cruel or mean, unfeminine, a total bitch, the person he knows is frequently kind and brings out the best in him, and he loves her for that. I dig the humming hook. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is an example of how Billy somehow finds a way to make a song that seems schmaltzy sound appealing. This was the fourth and final single that reached number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. The penultimate track is Get It Right the First Time. First
1: just this once I hope that looks to deceive I ain't got time for true confessions Gotta make the move right now Got to meet that girl somehow
0: Liberty DeVito's syncopated beat has a Latin swing to it, and it's buoyed by the la-la-la-la-la vocal hook on the end of each chorus with added percussion, including cowbell, and the flute returns to double the melody. The electric guitar and bass are higher in the mixes, time in the verses, above the piano and acoustic guitar, and Billy sings this with a little more power. Lyrically, Billy likes a girl, but he's nervous about going up to her and saying hello. He's got no game. He's lacking confidence to approach her, but he knows he's got to do it now before he loses his chance. This is a lesser track, but I still dig it. And that brings us to the final track, Everybody Has a Dream. I rely
1: on my imagination And I dream of an imaginary time Oh, oh, oh. I know that everybody has a dream Everybody has a dream Everybody has a dream
0: So Billy takes us to gospel time with a piano and thrumming organ and the female backing vocals that resemble a choir. Billy does his best Ray Charles vocal impression, and it sounds kind of funny. He can't quite pull it off, but it's fun hearing him attempt it. The chorus is big, open, and uplifting, and Billy goes for some high falsetto notes as the track fades. Lyrically, Billy says, Retreat to your imagination when the world looks bad and you're in despair. Your fantasies will make things easier. Everybody has dreams, and Billy's dream is to be with his woman. After the track fades, there's a reprise of the noir intro to The Stranger, the title track, bringing the album full circle and giving it closure. This track is fine and needs to be at the end, but it's kind of underwhelming and it is my least favorite, so I guess I'm going to have to call it Aaron's Stinky Stinker. (laughs) Now if the track by track is finished, I'll give my final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0 to 5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of mine, all the way down to a 0, which is the equivalent of the length of Brenda and Eddie's marriage. By 1977, Billy Joel was in danger of being dropped by Columbia Records. His last two studio albums before The Stranger, Street Life Serenade and Turnstiles, were only modest sellers, and he knew he had to deliver a record that would appeal to the buying public. He wanted famed Beatles producer George Martin to produce the album, and Martin showed interest, but Billy declined when Martin wanted to use Session Musicians as opposed to Billy's touring band, which Billy favored. Instead, he went with Phil Ramone, who had done Paul Simon's Still Crazy after all these years, after meeting him at the restaurant that inspired the song Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, and Ramone expressed an appreciation for his band's energy. The album was cut in three weeks, with all parties involved enjoying the experience, though different guitar players were brought in for specific songs to find the right sound. When it was released, The Stranger took a few months to catch on and build momentum. It wasn't until late January 1978 before it took off, and reached number two in mid-February on the Billboard 200 chart for six weeks, only held off from number one by the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. It eventually sold over 10 million copies, and at one point it was the highest-selling album in Columbia Records history. I've been a huge fan of Billy Joel since I first heard this record playing out of my parents' console stereo system. I've always seen him more or less as the American Elton John, and the similarities are there for sure. They've even toured together many times. Billy plays around with different musical styles and twists them to suit his own sense of songcraft which he has taken a lot of criticism for over the years. But fuck the critics. You have to judge the music with your own ears. And I say, Billy Joel was one of the best pop rock songwriters of the 70s and 80s. Curiously, though, his songwriting well seems to have dried up, and he hasn't released a new album of pop rock material since 1993, though he still plays and tours, including a long-standing once-a-month residency at Madison Square Garden. Billy's near and dear to my heart, and I give The Stranger a five. It's my favorite Billy Joel album, and I'd gladly take it to that mythical desert island. Plus, it was a favorite of my mother's, and what? You got something to say about that? Huh? We got an Apple Podcast review. It's a five-star review that comes to us from I Am Andrew Craft, titled Great Podcast, and it says, Love the podcast in the in-depth, song-by-song format. I discovered this during the COVID-19 quarantine and I'm catching up on all the episodes. Highly recommended. Thank you. I am Andrew Kraft. Glad we could help with your quarantine boredom. We've been getting a few more Apple podcast reviews lately and we'd love to see them keep on coming. It really helps us out. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners and rock on. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, I'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email. and We'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me. And I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, Here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care and I'll catch you later. Thanks, Mom.
1: The Next track is scenes from a ta. Itali- <laughs> scenes from a Itali- Hey, hey, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have pasta. Hey, linguini. Hey, whoa, hey, <laughs> shit. The next track is scenes from a ta. Itali- scenes, <laughs> scenes. From- ah, hey, hey, I want some pasta, ravioli, linguini, fettuccini, Alfredo. Hey, hey, Giuseppe! give me a, what the hell, hey, ho, ha, ho.